Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another season of Alonement, the podcast about the time you spend alone and why it matters. I'm your host, Francesca Spector, author of Alonement, How to Be Alone and Absolutely Own It, and a former extreme extrovert who, a few years ago, discovered the life-changing power of taking some time to myself. On this show, I interview fascinating people who can give inspiration and practical advice on how to make your alone time the best it can be. Because when alone time isn't lonely, it's alonement. My guest for this week's episode is sleep scientist Dr. Kat Ledeley, also known simply as Dr. Kat. Her approach to helping us sleep better combines her scientific expertise with mindfulness and compassion-based therapy. In her own words, it's a mind-body approach, which will make a lot of sense to those of us who have stayed awake at night thinking, I did the perfect bedtime routine, so why am I still unable to sleep? When I was researching guests to come on this show, Dr. Kat sent me a really intriguing email about the relationship between me time and sleep. And my ears truly pricked up. As someone who personally struggles to sleep quite a bit and has always questioned whether that really counts as being good or bad at me time, I have so many questions to ask her and I'm sure that we will all benefit from a little bit of attention to this very, very important part of our day-to-day lives. Before we get to the episode, I want to give a big shout out to this season's sponsor, Flashpack a travel company for solo travellers in their 30s and 40s, providing boutique group adventures all around the world. There's trips to Bali, Morocco, Sri Lanka, Japan. The world is your oyster. I've been working with Flashpack since the beginning of this year. And last April, I had the chance to experience one of their adventures for myself, travelling the hotspots of Colombia. I made so many new friends, many of whom I'm still in touch with, and had the kind of colourful, memorable experiences I'd been craving for the past couple of years of lockdown, including salsa dancing, boat trips, and eating delicious South American cuisine. What's incredible about going away with Flashpack is that you get the best of both worlds. Wonderful company, if you'd like it, and the ease of having someone else sort out the logistics, but also the independence of choosing where and when you'd like to have an adventure. If you'd like to experience a Flashpack holiday for yourself, they've provided an exclusive discount offer to all Alonement listeners. 
Quote the code ALONEMENT to give you £100 off your dream trip today. So, Dr. Kat, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so grateful to be having this conversation with you. We're going to have a great chat about sleep and being alone. And I'm really excited to see where that takes us. But first, I wanted to ask simply, what does the word alone mean to you? It's a good question. And so immediately for me, I'm actually German. So I translate it into into the German word, or that's what what pops up as, as well. And these sort of, for me two meanings um in one way being being lonely and the more negative but then there's also the sense of being alone the me time and doing doing things that I enjoy that I want to do um so there's yeah there's a lot that that shows up when I when I hear that and also a lot of memory I grew up on a farm and so this this idea of of being alone is actually something that you know makes gives me a warm feeling Um, because just being out there in nature, you know, wandering around on my own with a dog, with a cat, whatever, you know, is, is, is happy memories. And I always enjoy doing these things. So yeah, there's a lot that shows up with that word alone. And what is the literal German translation for alone? Or are there multiple translations? I think it's allein. And then we have einsam. And that would probably more be that loneliness. That's that equivalent. So for me, this align, align sign, um, it yeah, it's it's a fun activity for me. And is that so? Align sign is that a German word for alonement? Is that an equivalent that you have, like positive alone time? Mm, maybe I think you could you could translate it as as that. I think. The way you've, you know, you've defined, you've come up with that, with that term. I don't know if we have that because the way I understand what you've, what you've written, alignment is something positive. Like I say, there's this fun in it. I wouldn't necessarily say every German will have a fun memory or a fun thought when they think of Alleinsein. Okay, that's really interesting. I, I mean, yeah, I think that that's, I guess same in English, we didn't necessarily have Mm. a a really objectively positive word for being alone, other than solitude. But I don't know, solitude I take issue with because the root of the word solitude is solace, which is lonely. And also, I don't know, I think it has this weird loftiness, which isn't really relatable when you want to say to your partner, or, you know, to your friends, uh, I want a bit of of solitude it sounds sounds rather Mm. too grand so I am always intrigued to know whether other languages have equivalents I suppose and and are able and in quite to describe alone time in that positive way but really interesting to know that you as an individual have been able to almost self-define it as positive even if you don't necessarily have that within I don't know I don't know how many languages you speak, but, you know, obviously English and German, either of those languages don't have the language to describe the thing that you have been able to experience yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think what's interesting there, it's it's, it's more of a feeling of a, of a sense of a sense of being, which didn't unt- until now, probably didn't have a word, a noun sort of associated with it. Um, and and so bringing the, the two together um there's a sort of a sense making 
that that I'm feeling. It's like, yeah, that's actually exactly what I have experienced, am experiencing in certain situations. Hmm. It's intriguing to hear that you grew up on a farm as well. I mean, a lot of, I, I suppose, and this is, you know, a sweeping statement, but a lot of us, what we struggle with when we're trying to, you know, when we're getting to sleep is that sort of busy, fast-paced city living. So it's interesting to know that you came from that background and then moved into actually helping people with sleep. What was that transition? How did that career come about for you? So it wasn't a straight line, for sure not. I mean, as a as a child, I I was aware of of sleep in 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 one way in the sense that how different a person can be after a good night's sleep compared to a poor night's sleep. And, and for me, it was my dad who, who is, you know, one of the funniest, happiest people and who overall, you know, sleeps well. However, we, we live um, next to an army base with helicopters and these pilots, they need to train in the day and at night. Right. And so there's an extra noise when they do their nighttime flying. Um, now, for me, I've grown up on that farm in that specific place with that noise every now and then. And for me, it's perfectly fine. It's a bit like a lullaby. But my dad, he moved to the farm as a teenager. And so that noise has always been foreign to him. And um, up until this day, when when there's the nighttime flying and you actually kind of know already when it's when it's going to happen, his mood changes before he goes to sleep, doesn't sleep very well. And then, of course, you know, he's a bit grumpy the next day. And that's that's what I remember noticing as a child, um, you know, with 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 regards to sleep, that mood thing. Um, but then, you know, I kind of didn't really give it that much attention, studied biology, zoology, so working with animals. And again, that's where um, I had a more chronobiological aspect. So that relates to your inner body clock, your inner, inner body's timing system. Um, and from there, I then stepped over into the field of sleep, you know, working with humans uh, rather than animals. Um, and, and then I just found something that I am hugely fascinated by. And sleep is a behavior we, we all engage in, right? We all sleep. How we sleep, you know, that varies. Um, but we all have something to say. We all are our own sleep expert. And, and so this topic resonates with everyone, whether we value it or not. But deep down, we are all intrigued by well, what is sleep and what happens. Mm, how interesting. It, I think it's, it's so often that we see sleep described in this sort of, you know, one size fits all approach. You see this perfect sleep routine that's, you know, written out in a magazine somewhere or you know given to you by an app and you think okay I'm doing that so why is it not working for me so I suppose that's what I love about your approach how it really is about the psychology as well and the therapeutic approach and you know looking at those individuals and it's also interesting to know that your interest in this topic stemmed from observing someone that you loved so much and watching you know watching your father and his experience of sleep and how that did affect his mood and, and your relationship, I suppose, you know, with him was, you know, or, or your observation of him. And so I think that that goes really, really nicely into talking about um, one of the topics that you suggested in the email that you sent me, which is how a lack of me time. So I suppose what we on this podcast called alone month, a lack of me time or alone month can be 
a reason for people that you work with, patients that you work with suffering from insomnia. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, exactly. My, my me time is, is your alignment, right? This, I, I really love how, how it comes together. Um, so what, what I mean is um, we, we all live these incredibly busy, fast paced, you know, lives, whether you, you are working, retired, unemployed, you know, stay at home parent, lives are busy, right? And there, there's a lot that happens simultaneously and you go from one to the next, to the next, to the next. Um, and the, the brain and particularly the mind um, is constantly, constantly working, but never really processing things through entirely because, hey, you go from one to the next, to the next. And so what often happens is that people, you know, they, they finish work, but then they have to do the chores or whatever needs doing, not necessarily what they want to do, but what needs doing. And then, you know, next time you look at the clock, it's bedtime, you go to bed and expect in a way to just fall asleep. Like you flip the, the light, you know, the lights off um, from one second to the next. We many people expect and that's the same with sleep as in, you know, I close my eyes and bang, I'm asleep. But it doesn't happen that way, you know our bodies, we human beings, we are biological, biological systems, we need time to, to change. And so does our brain and our mind, right? So it needs time to process the experiences of the day, the emotions of the day. And for that, it needs some quiet time where, you know, there's no distraction or no disturbance coming in. Um, and for many of my clients, that can happen when the head hits the pillow. And then in one way, they're really tired but then their mind, bang, you know, switches on or remains stayed on. And so without that me time, and I see me time as, as some, yeah, quiet time, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be alone or you have to be completely still, but where you take time to just be and, and allow yourself to process the day right, in a way that makes sense to you. Um, you know, you, you, you allow that mind to then also actually switch over from busy working day or busy day over to stillness and over to sleep. Does sleep not count as me time then, even though you're maybe alone in some sense? Uh, good question. And I, I think me time for me is something, is a waking experience, but you're absolutely right. In in sleep, I'm I'm alone, and I think I mean it's something a question you posed early on. For me, you know, sleep is something I do alone. Yes, I can have my partner next to me, and you know, maybe my partner is hugging me, um, but fundamentally, I do this sleeping on my own. I enter it on my own, and I come out of it on my own, and. Yes, there is still processing that happens while we're sleeping. It's not like the brain switches itself off. It's on the contrary, right? It's still highly active. But the focus or the attention is, has changed. While I'm awake, the attention goes outwardly. When I sleep, the attention goes inwardly, right? And as I said, there's still processing. There's still some basic thinking mentation that happens while we sleep. Um, so that, that's still still there. I guess for me, <clears throat> I think it's not enough, right? That that processing in the night is is not enough. There needs to be a conscious processing of my life's experiences. Mm, that's really interesting. So we need to make time for both. And this is not to discredit one or the other. And of course, often, I don't know, often our 
processing our emotional processing isn't as good if we haven't had much sleep but there's a real chicken and egg there isn't there yeah absolutely so we need sleep for for many many reasons right sort of in a nutshell for you know restoration and and repair um but also that processing of our emotions so that we are able the next day to better regulate our emotions right to find our balance again Um, And there are beautiful studies, you know, that show with without sleep or a lack of sleep, um, how all of that goes out of the window. And we probably all know my dad was is a good example. Right. After a poor night, he's grumpy. So we become more irritable. We become more impulsive. We fly off the handle at the slightest remark. Right. We we can't read emotions accurately and we can't probably express our own emotions accurately. So there, there's a lot um, going on there. You know, that's why we why we need sleep. But in the same way that sleep impacts on our daytime, our daytime impacts on our sleep. And that's where we come back to me time or alignment, right? Time to to process, but also time to do something for myself. And I think when you talk about alignment, you know, as a, as a positive experience, and I don't know if this is right, but almost like planning it, planning a little bit what I do in that alignment, there's an, there's an element of fulfillment because I choose, I truly choose what to do, right? It's not that I have to work and do what my boss told me, even if I'm running my own business, right? So still a sense of, I have to do this, or the chores, you know, I don't know, emailing the accountant, or hoovering, me time alone is something I choose to do. So there's autonomy, there's control. And with that comes a sense of fulfillment. And also they are part of um, recovery, right? A recovery experience, which is back to restoration and back to sleep. Mm, an emotional recovery. Do you think perhaps, because I think that your approach is something that I haven't really seen enough of when I look at sleep science, any, anything that helps you to sleep, I, I often see an emphasis on the physical things. So having having a hot bath and not looking at screens and I don't know, having a cup of cocoa. I, I don't know why I'm talking like we're in wartime Britain, but yeah, something like that. It's all that kind of like soothing, nurturing, cozy stuff. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure that that lineup of things is all brilliant for all sorts of reasons. I'm sure there's all sorts of scientific, you know, body temperature, yada, yada, you know, you're keeping away from blue light, whatnot. But what I really like is that you also combine the psychological approach. And do you think that from what you see that we don't necessarily put enough emphasis on that and you know, that those two working together? I think you're onto something and the practical advice it's it's easier to give it's it's also easier to do it's much more aligned with problem solving right you know our mind you know has evolved to solve problems you know to keep us alive to help us to reproduce bottom line problem solving and so um all these practical things are when i say easy to do right it's it's easier compared to working more on the on the psychological on the mind and on the emotional side so that's why these these yeah sleep hygiene rules and I'm already sort of always a bit um, unhappy about the word rule and why they're so appealing right that they they feed into our our problem solving desire right right so it's a bit like kind of making someone a cup of cup of tea rather than saying you know 
how how's your relationship with your parents or you know exactly. asking <laughs> asking the tough questions okay well from an alonement perspective you know from taking that glorious useful me time during your day how can that time be best used for helping you know aiding healthy sleep and sort of second part to that question what time of day would you be doing it would you suggest that you fit in your sort of recovery me time for your emotions just before you go to sleep or how how would that factor into a healthy sort of sleep Mm. routine in in the ideal scenario it would be you know happening during the day um because the when you wake up that's when you start preparing for your nighttime sleep, not in the five minutes before you go to bed. That's way too late, right? If we just go with the general eight hours sleep, right? Some people may need more, others need less, but let's just go eight hours sleep. You've got 16 hours of wakefulness, right? In the 24 hour day, 16 hours. This is such a long time where you've got plenty of opportunity to prepare for your coming night's sleep, right? And so, you know, any any time you spend time outdoors or what you eat when you when you eat or you know a cup of coffee when you have this all this matters and in the same way having a bit of me time matters during the day so taking mini breaks i'm not talking about big you know hour long breaks mini breaks could be 30 seconds you know it could be a trip to i don't know the the kitchen the kitchen area to get a cup of tea um all of these offer you moments of me time. And I think that chimes with something you you said or wrote, written about alignment, you know, using the sort of time pockets that we have. All of that matters because it allows your mind, it allows your brain to just step back from whatever you are doing and reflect, reflect on it. Or, you know, maybe plan ahead or just think about something else and then return back to the topic at hand but it allows your mind ultimately to process, right? To process things fully. That's such a game-changing philosophy. I've never thought about sort of almost waking up and thinking, okay, uh, one thing I've got to do today is almost prepare for sleep. But, it, you know, it, it, it makes sense because I guess sleep is so important and it's something that we, we you know, we, we think about, I don't know, we think about drinking water throughout the day. Maybe we can think about preparing for our sleep as well and that coming into our daily routine, not just being something we, I don't know, shove to the end of our day between the hours of eight and midnight when we're trying to get ourselves ready for bed. I mean, I suspect I know the answer to this, that I suspect I know that this habit is very, very bad, but I often make time for... Um, journaling which is a big part of my alonement just before bed and I, I suppose that's the way it naturally filters into my day but I do wonder if there's something wrong or perhaps not um, not optimal let's say about dealing with all my sort of existential dread and deepest darkest thoughts and dreams just before I go to sleep would you suggest that Again, great question. And I don't know if there's any study, if anyone has looked at this, but um, it reminds me of when my clients ask me also, when, when, when should I do a meditation? You know, do, do I do it just before bed, in bed? Um, and often when it comes to meditation, I say, well, pick a time, you know, that's good for you, but preferably maybe outside the bed so we don't pair the two. Um, your journaling is probably, as I'm talking, a little bit different, right? Because it's, it's making, it's a sense making. 
so it's not necessarily bad to come to an answer to your question. It's not necessarily bad. I think it depends where you stand. And what I mean is whether you identify with what's written as in I'm these thoughts, I'm these experiences, or whether through the journaling you become an observer of of those experiences and those thoughts, right? And whether you see thoughts for what they are, thoughts, it's a piece of noise. It's, it's something that's sort of generated in the head. It's an idea, it's a memory, it's a plan, right? But not necessarily the truth and certainly not necessarily something that's happening right now. So my, my point really is, is where, where are you? Are you in? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In, in these thoughts this is me or are you observing them and if you become an observer and that's what any meditation is, is training you to, or helping you to do is to learn to become an observer non-judgmentally objectively observing what's showing up in the external world or internally in your head or in your body as an emotions if you become um, the observer you are less reactive Right. And then in that way, from a sleep perspective, that's an ideal way of of entering sleep or, of, you know, processing your day and then switching over and entering sleep. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. I, I think that perhaps journaling is something that I don't know. I blame Instagram for this. It's been made very 
very Instagrammable, very based on, you know, the stationery that you're using and the mm. nice, nice reels that go along with it. But I, I would like to see, you know, increasingly more research, I suppose, and conversation around the different types of, of journaling and the different ways that it functions, I suppose, because, you know, I've never even heard anyone make that observation that, you know, sometimes it can be good, sometimes it can be bad. It's about how you're approaching. Um, and I'm, you know, the answer, you know, personally, I'm not really, I'm not sure. Um, I do do something very odd in journaling where I'll start writing in the sort of I and then move into the sort of second person I guess I'll start referring to myself as you almost like a sort of um advisor very strange but <laughs> you'll make it you, you seem intrigued by this yeah so that that's for me right that's where you're stepping back that's exactly where you're stepping back where you don't identify it's, I don't know if that's the right word but you're developing a distance to that thought that storyline that experience Right. And, and that's what observers, they, they are less reactive to the people who are in it. Mm. Right. And we are so in a way in our heads um, and under the influence of our thoughts. I'm not saying that thoughts control our behavior, but they can influence it. Um, if I'm if I'm unaware of, of my thinking, if I'm unaware of my inner critic, you know, and she's telling me, oh, you're not good enough. You know, you, you, you know, you don't, don't reach out, you know, no, no one will is interested to hear your thoughts. If, if I, if I just sort of take that on and follow that story, I wouldn't have sent you an email. Right. But I can also notice that, that inner critic and that story and say, ah, oh, th- thanks inner critic, you know, um, sure. You know, that, that risk is there, but I'm going to email her because, hey, there's something really important here for me. And that is, you know, helping people sleep better. And this is a way of helping people through this podcast, right? And so there I notice that inner story, but I, the observer, so to speak, I make a choice of, of what, how to act, right? And in that instance, it was not to act like the inner critic is suggesting, but take a different way, a way that's guided by my values helping others fascinating I love that um and thank you I think that that's I mean we could have a whole other podcast on that I think it's brilliant and just to say I'm so glad that you did get in touch in this case I think that you know it's so I I, this is such a valuable conversation Um, and turning into a bit of a therapy session for me so um yeah (laughs) thank you thank you and thank you uh anyone listening right now for uh for indulging all of that but uh, hopefully it's uh hopefully what we're saying resonates with many and the next question um i have i've been having a bit of a conversation actually with my followers for the past couple of weeks about this in preparation for this conversation and it's that I think that we fall into two schools of thought. Um, and again, in your brilliant email to me, you did sort of identify these. But some of us are better at sleeping alone, regardless of whether we uh, have a partner that we cohabit with. You know, the ideal would be to be, you know, when they go on holiday or, you know, even to do a sort of Gwyneth Paltrow and, and Brad Falchuk, her husband, they 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 famously spoke about, um, I think, sleeping in separate homes, in fact, for the first year of their marriage. But others, um, and I actually, I fall into this camp, the second camp, others sleep better with someone next to them or, you know, in the same vicinity, you know, in the next room, they sleep better knowing that there's someone else there. Could you explain why some of us find it easier to sleep alone and, and some of us are completely the opposite. Mm, I guess there are 
there are lots of different reasons. So for, for some of my clients, right, who have chronic insomnia, sharing a bed with, with their partner for some of them is, 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 is troublesome. Could be that the partner, that there's the fear that the partner will disturb them. Maybe the partner is snoring or just the partner turning around, right, can be perceived as disruptive. Um, and so there, this idea of sleeping by by themselves, you know, is, uh, okay, at least, you know, my partner can't disturb me. Or my client would think, oh, because of my troubled sleep, I'm impacting on my partner's sleep. Then that creates a level of stress and anxiety, right, um, which is never helpful for sleep. So then they go and, and sleep alone and then, uh, okay, you know, and then they can, sometimes they can then fall asleep because they don't have that worry anymore. Oh, I'm keeping her or him awake. You know, that that's one one group of people. And then others like you and I, I fall in that category as well. I, you know, I I sleep better, you know, when, when my husband is, is next to me. And that could be a sense of, of safety, of familiarity. Um, I think there, there's different reasons for, for that, um, why why we want our partner to to be there it could also be a fear of of being alone right so this this concept of you know lying alone in your bed means you you are lonely you know there there's all these these thoughts ideas that we've picked up you know over the course of our lives um you know it, it could be something like that that we're not necessarily consciously aware of that we subscribe to this belief and that sleeping in your bed means you are lonely, a lonely person, and that is bad. But um, yeah, if, if you sort of dig dig around right in your, in your mind, uh, sometimes you can find such beliefs um, that that are there and yeah. holding you back. I think it's, I think it is interesting, and even I suspect you know for me personally, I think that I'm just terrible at putting myself to bed. I think that I quite like it when I'm staying at someone's house and they say you know around ten o'clock oh, it's bedtime now. And I'm like, oh, seems very premature, but actually maybe, yeah, that <laughs> probably mm. is a good decision. And it's almost that normalization. Um, but then again, I don't know, you know, if anyone listening to this who does sleep regularly alone in a double bed or, you know, a king size bed um, feels this way, but there's that sense, it's a bit like being at a table for two at a restaurant when there's two chairs, but one of you. You kind of think, I'm totally fine with the situation, but the visual clues around me are kind of saying it's not designed, this situation isn't designed for you to be alone. It's a very strange thing sometimes, the the physical surroundings of it. Um, I suppose there's not really a question there, but I just, I, I, I'm just kind of observing this thinking out loud, as I say, it's, it can be quite interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it's, again, it's these cultural norms, right? You, you don't go to dinner by yourself. That's It's a cultural norm. There's no rule. It's not written, you know, down in law. But it's sort of, it's it's a norm. And we've, or most of us have subscribed to that rule, that belief without ever questioning it. Is this belief actually serving me? Mm. Right. But the moment you do that, the moment you become aware of that, that belief, you know, you, you can then say, okay, and how is this serving me? Right. In the same way that a moment ago, I think you said, you know, I'm, I, I, I believe I'm not good at putting myself to bed. I can't, you worded it as something along those lines. And so I thought, hmm, okay, so we, we could, we're not going to, but we could look at that, that belief, you know, where's that coming from? How long has that been there? And ultimately, is it serving you um, or not? Right. It, it could just be that you are a late chronotype, you know, an owl who goes to bed naturally much, much later. Um, and, you know, so for you going to bed early, it's a bit like mm, it, it, it doesn't work because your body isn't ready for that. 
could be other reasons for, you know, bedtime or sleep procrastination. But fundamentally, it's looking at this belief and and saying, okay, now, is this serving me in any shape or form or not? Mm. Mm, I love this. This is, this is where the brilliant extra component, that compassionate approach that you have comes into it. Uh, and I love it. I think it just, it seems so, so novel um, in, in terms of what I've heard before. Um, coming back to the sort of, I don't know, the, the conventions around how we sleep, where we sleep, whether we sleep with partners, yada, yada. I was watching an old Betty Davis movie uh, the other day called All About Eve. And there's a scene in it where they show one of the married couples in that um, in that film um, sleeping in separate beds. I think they're kind of smallish double beds, but in the same room. And it's really funny because one of them picks up the telephone and they're in a different bed and it's just, then you, you know, it pans out. And it, and that actually, I was, so I did some research on this. I And I think I'm writing, thinking that before the 1950s, it was seen as a sort of unhealthy thing for couples to actually sleep in the same bed. It was, it was actually more normal for couples to have maybe two singles or, like that situation maybe that's the more luxurious option two doubles in the same room what do you think about this because obviously there's the cultural norm now is that couples do sleep in the same bed is that is that advisable is that something we have to subscribe to I think couples have to find out what what works for them rather than you know one size fits all one aspect, for example, is this chronotype, which I just mentioned briefly. A chronotype, in basic terms, refers to whether you you are lark, go to bed early, wake up low, early, or you're an owl, you go to bed late, you know, you wake up late. Typical teenager is, is a great example. What we find is, you know, there is a difference in these chronotypes between men and women, or, you know, certainly sort of for most of adult life up until or after the menopause. And the standard situation is woman has an earlier chronotype, so wants to go to bed earlier compared to, to a man. Now, you know, for some couples, it could be the other way around. Some couples could be actually the same chronotype. You know, again, you know, everything is, is possible. But it's, it's about finding out what chronotypes are we? What, are, what is my personal sleep time or sleep window compared to that of my partner? And then how can we best address that, right? How, how can I go to bed at a time that's right for me and my partner goes to bed at a time that's right for her or him? And, you know, again, just using you as an example, it might might be way off. But if you really are an owl, you know, for you to go to bed at 10 and fall asleep soon after will be incredibly hard, you know, probably impossible in a way. Um, and so your experience will be, oh, my God, I'm really struggling to fall asleep. You know, I, I really I, I can't sleep. I know I've got a sleep problem when all it is actually you've gone to bed too early, too early for your inner body clock. So, yeah, couples come to the back to the point. Couples have to sort of find out well what are my right sleep times what do I need some people need a pitch black other want to have a window open you know and then how can we best sort of yeah negotiate these these individual needs um and then there are different solutions you know of sharing the same bed two different beds two different rooms or yeah like you said you know even different houses or or flats mm, mm, um yeah it, it is I suppose it's weighing up how much you like sleeping together obviously you know there's the the sex aspect of that there's also the sort of intimacy of of sleeping you know next to one another there's also you know whether you actually just prefer to you know sleep next to someone whether you're one of those people and weighing that up I suppose against the potential for disrupted sleep that comes from physically having someone else in your bed 
and all those sort of physiological things that come with that. Um, and yeah, I guess like a sleep divorce. So sleeping in separate um, beds, separate rooms, separate um, houses, if you can sort of afford to, you know, be Gwyneth Paltrow and, and do that um, is, is, is one way that you can go. This, uh, this chronotype thing is interesting as well, I suppose, in terms of when we take our me time. Do you think it's something that we perhaps could tune into a bit better if we're sort of choosing when to take our daily alonement? Sometimes mm. it might be better for, for early birds to take it earlier, for instance, and owls to take it later. Yeah, again, in, in an ideal world where everyone can sleep and be awake according to their body clock, according to their, their, their chronotype, you would find that that a, a lark does things earlier compared to, to an owl. And earlier meaning on the social clock, right? On the clock that we've invented, that 24-hour, you know, device that's on our wrist. You know, that's that's what where the larks will, will do it earlier. But because of how we how we live, how we work as a society, right? The typically the school day or the work day starts at eight, nine o'clock until well, five, six, seven, sometimes it could be 11 p.m. And then we've got the whole night shift workers. But anyway, so the normal, you know, office school day starts around eight, nine o'clock for, for a lark like myself. You know, this is this is easy. This is great. But for an owl, someone who goes to bed, let's say at midnight or one, two a.m. And again, let's just say is an eight hour sleeper. They really struggle. So they constantly have to shorten their sleep in order to be in school at their desk by eight nine o'clock and so that of course takes a toll on their health on their well-being on their mood right let alone that they feel tired and that will probably also have an impact on their on their alonement and and doing things for themselves uh, because there is an element of tiredness and exhaustion but also we need sleep to restore our our personal resource our willpower our our self-control right and if we get less sleep, we have less self-control. And that's most evident in, you know, the food choices that we make after a poor night. Um, there are other reasons for that as well, but that lack of self-control is impacting on this as well. So yeah, in the ideal world where we all sleep and are awake according to our body clock, you know, then naturally our alignment activities would also fall within within that rhythm. But because of how constrained this world can be for some of us, I think there's there's a problem. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's. I mean, nine to five is is basically the you know, the law of the world, really. I mean, it's changing a little bit with more flexible working. Um, I personally love being self-employed because, you know, sometimes I can give myself a little bit more of a you know a bit more time to lie in in the morning if I have been up late faffing around as usual, and it doesn't take away from the quality of life. But I know that so often, you know, in traditional employment, it's not. It's not possible, and, and perhaps you know, in, in some professions as well, it's, just, it's never really going to necessarily be possible, especially in service jobs or you know that kind of thing. Um, it is very difficult, but you know, I'm interested in as well that idea of I don't know having your most sort of self-control, the times of day that you have that. And would you say that in the same way that we can show up for others better in a relationship when we've had our sleep and you know and we're fed and watered and all of those other things can we show up for ourselves better when we've had a bit more sleep for instance after a good night's sleep we might be better placed to have a bit of alonement or if we're working with our body clocks we might show up better for ourselves yeah absolutely right because sleep affects our decision making it affects our risk taking 
it affects our our food choices as i as i said right so if i've had a good night's sleep everything in my body is is restored all the resources that i need physically as well as psychologically they are you know topped up again and then yes coming back to you know alignment i can make better choices my motivation also is is better right if that's the right word um after a good night's sleep compared to after a poor night's sleep so i think alignment you know a positive experience that i sort of plan there's also a bit of discomfort in there particularly if you if you're not naturally someone like maybe me who you know values my alone time i ever have always have there's a bit of discomfort and so after a poor night's sleep we don't find it as easy to sit with discomfort and and faces we go for the short-term quick pleasure rather than the long-term you know the the long-term benefit Um, and i think something like alonement and the gym is probably no different. It takes some time until you you reap the benefits, right? And I think that's where good sleep helps you to, to find it easier to engage in alignment activities. Oh, I love that. Because you're, you're tapping into something I've sort of been exploring, I guess, on the back burner for a little while, which is that I always think time with other people, it's easier to... I suppose it's easier to have, you know, fun. It's easier to be a bit more hedonic, that short-term pleasure, that sort of bouncing off each other. You get, you know, there's a bit more momentum there. But I think alone time can be a really perfect time for, I guess, that, I guess, you know, there's the Aristotle term, like eudaimonic pleasure. So those long-term satisfying things. Alone time is, for me, it's, you know, it's when I do my writing, for instance. It's when I go to the gym, I guess. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, that that's, not instantly gratifying but it's something that benefits you in the long term so I think the relationship between sleep and the resilience that that gives you really taps into that yeah absolutely right this alone time you 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 can check in with yourself you you can you can sit right I mean in the in the base most basic thing perhaps it is sitting down and that's where it makes me think a lot of 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 meditation and and checking in with with myself and I guess one reason why maybe many people don't spend time on that by themselves is because, well, that's when, you know, the mind, well, the mind always thinks, but thoughts become so much louder. They, they, they really come to your, to the forefront, right? There's no more distraction. And with that often comes discomfort. And it's about being able to sit with that, that discomfort. But once you've done that or are able to do that, have the courage and that's my thought again. That's where self-compassion comes in, by the way, right? Self-compassion is not just being kind and nice to yourself. Self-compassion has um, a courage component, a wisdom component, a courage to turn to the suffering, the discomfort, to be with that in yourself or others, right? And then the, the, the wisdom of, okay, so what can I do about it? And the commitment to then also do something about it, alleviate that that pain, right? So that all takes a bit of bit of time but once once we've worked through that right that's where we get the long term benefits mm, i love that so the process is sort of get your sleep have your resilience take your me time do it properly be emotionally ready you know and give yourself enough and then you know and then ideally do the the hot bath and the cocoa and the whatnot before you go to bed but it's yeah it's it's all a lot more complicated but I suppose a lot more satisfying and and 
gratifying once you get it right. Finally, I would like to ask you on a more personal level, what is your ultimate alonement? And I suppose also when, when do you take it as well? I'm quite intrigued to know. In different, different forms. So one is going for a walk. Uh, going for a walk um you know literally <laughs> around the house you know in in the morning but that's how I like to start my day to get outside get into the into the light to move and you know and and just let my mind wander and the cycling can be can be very similar for me you know just letting my mind wander I also practice you know meditation um and then there is for me this thing of just simply lying on the floor just lying on the floor and just doing nothing that is for me sort of an ultimate alonement is just to 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 lie there and and let the mind do whatever it does but you know there's nothing to do in that moment why why the floor is this differentiating it from your bed or yeah and I think yes it is it's not necessarily that it's harder but there's a solidness and there's a (laughs) I say a straightness, right? Whereas a mattress, you know, might be a bit floppy. Um, it's just this this even ground that I that I can lie on. But I wonder, I wonder. This is really just speculating whether there's also a sense of ground, earth, nature. Whether that brings me closer to that, and I know how important nature is for me. And this goes back to to growing up on a farm. Yeah, exactly. It goes up, goes back to growing up on the farm. You know, my 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 first my masters again was you know outside with animals, so with nature. So yeah, it goes all the way back back there. Thank you. I love hearing these because they're always so different, and it always says, I don't know. I suppose sometimes asking people what they do in alonement is effectively asking them about you know who they are fundamentally you know what's in your soul what's in your history so thank you so much for that and thank you for this conversation it's been fascinating I can't wait to share it pleasure thank you thank you for having me Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Alonement. If you loved this episode, then you know what I would really like you to do is to share it with someone that you think would benefit. That's all from me. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.